Blog Talk Radio. Uh, you know, on TBS, it's actually, uh, I'm going to get into a little diatribe here. 
interesting what Turner is doing. We got the first first time in a long time, actually the first time ever, the Final Four games will be on cable. They'll be on TBS. It is also the first time in like over 30 years that they won't have been on CBS. The Final Four games, they will be on TBS. But you also have what Turner is calling team cast. So it's like an individual telecast for each team each of the final four teams in the tournament now will be on uh, True TV and TNT will be going on at the same time. So, for example, the first game on Saturday is Florida-Connecticut. That's at 6.09 tip. That will have your standard, Nance, uh, Greg Anthony, uh, Steve Kerr, Tracy Wilson, Rockin' Sidelines uh, for that. Then he got a Florida team cast. 609, you got David Steele, Mark Wise, and James Bates rocking silence. I know James Bates a little bit. Well, I don't actually know, but I know of him. I really don't know the other two guys. I believe Mark Wise is uh, does radio uh, for, the, for the Gators, and David Steele, I believe, is a, a sports guy in Gainesville. And you also have the Connecticut team cast. Uh, now will be on True TV. Florida will be on TNT in the first game. you got Eric Freed, which for S&Y. Donnie Marshall, former uh, Connecticut player, and you have, he also uh, worked at uh, TV. He used to do self-team, now he does some net stuff. Uh, the little college basketball, college basketball on NBC Sports Network. Did a few uh, Fox Sports 1 games this year. And, and then on Siren will be the legendary uh, Swim Cash. That's the uh, true TV game. Then the late game is Wisconsin-Kentucky. Now also have the Nancy... Nance, Anthony, Kerr crew. They also have the Kentucky team cast on TNT at 849 with Rob Brownlee, veteran, longtime Kentucky broadcaster. You got Rex Chapman, who well, was awful when you saw him in the tournament last year, but he was another former Kentucky player and you got that Dave Baker rocking sidelines. And then all the Wisconsin team cast at True TV at 849. You got um, the great Wayne Larrabee, you just uh, Radio for the Green Bay Packers, long time done stuff for the Big Ten Network, a veteran broadcaster. He's great. And then you got Mike Kelly on the call of that. But talking about this Florida team uh, was Jim Nance, who's previewing all the Final Four teams. And here's what he had to say about this Gators Club. Our, of course, haven't lost since Connecticut beat them, so uh, absolutely they're beatable again. But uh, the Gators were the one, number one seed that held up. Uh, and made it to the promised land. And, uh, you know, this is a team, too, that's got tremendous experience. They've been together a long time. Uh, and I have a tremendous regard for Billy Donovan. Uh, Florida has to be considered the favorite going into the into the games this weekend. And I agree with uh, Nance. I think Florida does have to be considered the favorite. They are the, a veteran team. This is actually – I love this stat. This is great. This, uh, the group of seniors on this team have made the Elite Eight every single year. They made the Elite Eight in 2011, 2012, last year, and well, now they're in the Final Four. I think they are the, still the favorite to win it all, not just because they're one team, because of how well they play in this tournament. They're a veteran club. Uh, Will McKenna's been awesome. you got the whole team's playing well. Their defense is tremendous. But it is interesting. They have lost to this Connecticut team already. And I, I talked a little about Connecticut. Everyone, it seems like everyone is uh, talking about, is this UConn team just like the 2011 team that rode the back of Kemba Walker en route to the tournament? And I think you see a lot of similarities in what, they're, what they've done with Shabazz Napier but I don't think Napier is as good as uh, Kemba Walker was. But and I think it's even more impressive because that team was a three seed. Uh, no, that was a four seed, pardon me. Were they a four seed? So let me take a look at that. 2011 NCAA tournament. And Connecticut was indeed... A where am I? Where's Connecticut? Connecticut, Connecticut, Connecticut. Why 
Am I at family again? What is going on? Yeah, no, they were at three seed out west. But they all, they have ridden the wave of Kemba Walker through that awesome big tournament run. Remember, they were the ninth seed, the nine seed, and what was, you know, the, when he had that massive Biggie's tournament. They rode Kemba Walker to win five, five games of five days. Rode him in the NCAA tournament. He also had excellent production from Jeremy Lamb. He was a freshman. He was a sophomore. Very key players, but it was Kemba Walker that did that. Is this Connecticut team comparable to that? Or could they possibly be better than that UConn team that previously won it all? Jim Nance on that. Tremendous backcourt, you know, with Mulbright being there with him. And, you know, that's such a good set of guards that they can get Florida fits. Florida knows that already, of course, having lost to them early in the season. I don't put a lot of stock in that first matchup only because it's, uh, what, it's almost a half a year ago. Uh, except that, you know, for UConn's sake, you know, they'll go into the Final Four. They're not going to be in awe of the opponent. Uh, you know, this, uh, this this Connecticut team, yeah, they may have been a seven seed, but the way they're playing right now, uh, it really, I can see why there are comparisons to that 2011 team. Of course, I called their championship. I think this team is better than the one that won the championship. I really do. Yeah, that's a very interesting point. It's when you, I think when you compare these two teams, they are kind of similar in a lot of ways. You have the star point guard, Shabazz Napier. You also got Ryan Bowright, a very solid complementary shooting guard that could shoot very well from the perimeter, kind of like what uh, Kemba Walker had with Jeremy Lamb. But I think that you know, the best big guy on Connecticut is uh, DeAndre Daniels. And while he's a very solid player, I don't think he is the kind of enforcer down low that Alex Oriaki was, could be at times. I mean, he is a good shot blocker, he's a solid post player. And he played relatively, he's played relatively well in the story. So that's certainly an interesting conversation to have. We also have to give a lot of credit to Kevin Ollie. How wild will it be, or would it be, if Kevin Ollie wins the championship this year in his first year eligible as to win the championship. Remember, they weren't eligible last year because of uh, the recruiting violations under the great uh, retired Jim Calhoun. So I think this tournament will be uh, perhaps even more impressive based on how they had to do it. It's obviously harder to come as a seven seed to the final four and then thus to win it all than a three seed is. Of course, they got the worst two seed, and I know I'm belaboring the point, but Villanova was awful. So, but and then, uh, but I was very impressed with how they played against Michigan State in the East Regional Finals on uh, Sunday afternoon at uh, Madison Square Garden. So this Kentucky, this Connecticut team, can they know? I think they can with how well the backcourt's playing. Shabazz Napier, Kevin Ollie has shown us to be a very good coach. This team can win it all. Now we're going to go to late game and. You talk about this Wisconsin team. Bo Ryan, the one thing about Bo Ryan was that he never went deep in the NCAA tournament. It seems like he, well, he has finally done it this year with the Badgers. And the Badgers this year, their offense has been very unsurprising. When you think of Wisconsin, whether it's correct perception or not, when you think Wisconsin, you think of uh, classic Big Ten physical defense, you grind them down, and all that jazz. Now you look at this team, they shoot a lot of threes. They're very aggressive offensively. They're fun to watch. Ben Brust lights it up and can light it up from the perimeter. And you got Frank Kaminsky, who has been unstoppable. Every team that has played him has had no answer for Frank Kaminsky and the Wisconsin Badgers. They have been a great story to watch, quite frankly, even as they beat my American uh, University Eagles in the first game in Milwaukee. But we'll we'll shade over that for now and probably forever with how awful that loss was. But you, Wisconsin has just – they've been they, – they had a tough game. They, they've won several, three games in a row that have just been excellent, excellent ball games. And you look at 
their the uh, the third round matchup after they beat America. They um, the third round matchup was against Oregon, and Oregon had a lot of chances down the stretch to win as well. You had two excellent offenses, and that was a very fun game. Of course, Wisconsin prevailed there, but it certainly wasn't not an easy win by any stretch. The following game against Baylor, they did smoke Baylor. Baylor, which was very surprising for somebody to watch that game, because Baylor had just come out since crushing Creighton, Doug McDermott, Greg McDermott, and the Blue Jays. They crushed uh, They had crushed them. And then they come out and they look, they look flat for much of the game against Wisconsin. Then you have the regional final in Anaheim Saturday night, and that was an awesome game. We had, Of course, we had the Bosch refereeing down the stretch, which it's a shame we're getting used to that now. But I can't blame uh, the refs entirely because Arizona's play they ran after they got the ball back, after the egregious foul call. They just ran a completely atrocious play and never even got the shot up, which is comical on itself. But Wisconsin, they found a way to win down the stretch, and that was a classic game, win it overtime. And again, Frank Kaminsky in that ball game was omnipotent as Arizona and even with their awesome defense, could not find an answer for him. So what does uh, Mr. Nance have to say about this Badgers club? Let's take a listen. It, it's no secret inside the college basketball community that Bo Ryan is really a genius of a head coach. Uh, we've seen it since the first day he ever set foot there in Madison on campus. We've seen his teams, the way they play. And, uh, you know, this was a year that we saw a lot of early signs that this team was capable of being better than anything else that Bo had had there in Badgerland. You know, what with uh, an early season win against uh, uh, Florida, for example, people knew that this Wisconsin team that was very capable of going out and making the final four. And here they are. They beat a very good team in Arizona. Uh, again, you're talking about a team that plays for one another. I mean, this is one of the great examples of all right here is this Wisconsin team. And they're going to be a very tough team to take out at the final four. And you want to hear a fascinating stat about Wisconsin. We always, uh, Wisconsin's always been known for teeth. They'll, every now and again, they'll have unheralded guys. Bo Ryan has a system that he sticks to, for better or for worse. For worse. I mean, fortunately, he went against a little bit offensively this year. But here's what's interesting. They would become only the second team to win a national championship without a McDonald's All-American on the roster. Think about that. How You don't see that. I mean, and the last team to do it was uh, the Maryland uh, Terrapins back in 2002. I'm sure folks in, these, in this part within the Bellway remember that team. Of course, Gary Williams, where did he coach before? Uh, a few stops before Maryland. That's right. The American University Eagles back in the late 70s. So, and that leads us to one final team, and really, again, the team that seems that everybody's talking about, the Kentucky Wildcats. They started off, they were the number one team preseason in college basketball, and then what happened? They fell all the way to an AC by the time they got to the NCAA tournament, which the seeding for them, well, obviously it shows to be ridiculous. But even before that, and a loaded uh, Midwest region, a very good Midwest region, they definitely seemed to underseed Kentucky, especially when you had a team like a, a solid UMass team that ultimately lost, but a decent UMass team. They were ranked two lines higher than Kentucky. After, yes, Kentucky early March lost to South Carolina. South Carolina is off. But they played very well in the SEC championship. They played one of the toughest schedules in the country. It's comical that they were in AC. But anyways, I don't know why we're getting all, all worked up over that, but that's kind of how I am. But you look at this Kentucky team, there's still so much talent. It seemed that everyone was waiting, when is John Calipari going to get this team, this loaded team, working together and playing to their potential? And we have seen that this tournament. They smoked Kansas State. They won, they, again, they won a thrill against Wichita State. And everyone's saying, ah, well, Wichita State's obviously uh, under, uh, you know, overrated. Kentucky played, the, uh, to that point, the best game they have played all season, and they only barely beat Wichita State. Wichita State had a chance 
to win at the Horn. Then he'd go out against Louisville, a, a chic tor- championship team for folks like myself. The defending champs, very good club. And they go out and they want a classic cross-state uh, rival. We all know the, the story of John Calpari and his beef with Rick Pitino and all that jazz. So then they won that. And then on Sunday against Michigan, a very good Michigan team, in the Midwest final, they, they beat him again. So they have played four really good games of late. And it seems that when you've got, and, you know, you've got the guys, you've got Julius Randle has been tremendous this uh, tournament. you got James Young. you got, uh, who's been, who's also been very good. you got the Harrison twins. Yeah, uh, Andrew Harrison, who hit that game-winning shot against Michigan, the three ball at the horn. Um, and then you also have some other guys. you got Marcus Lee, who's been a very good player this tournament. you got Alex Perithris. You know, you got there's so much talent on this team. It's kind of inconceivable that they would be seen almost as an underdog before the NCAA tournament. But it seemed that they needed all the work they could get in to finally come together, as their good friend Mr. Nance. Also said. You take five players who have never, well, two of the brothers, obviously, two of them have played together their whole lives, the Harrison, that helps. But, you know, it takes a while for people to understand chemistry in a team game, how to work together. And in this case, when you're talking about decorated players with incredible backgrounds and achievement at the high school and the AAU levels, now to come together as one and say play as a team, it doesn't happen right away. Uh, you have to learn how to play for one another and not for yourself. And as even Coach Cal will tell you, thank goodness the season uh, was uh, three weeks shorter because this team needed every practice, every rep, and every game to get to the point where they trusted one another like what we're seeing right now. And I agree 100%. And I think this Kentucky team is dangerous. And I think this is a team that could be that second and eighth seed to win it all. And, of course, the most talented eighth seed to win it all. So what, what do I think is going to happen in the Final Four at the end of the day? Here are my predictions. Our first game, Florida-Connecticut. Uh, this was a game I really think both the will opt any team to win out in the Final Four. But I think that I really just think about picking Connecticut, but I'm going to go with Florida. I think they're deeper. I think they're uh, stronger offensively. They don't have to rely on one guy. Sometimes UConn kind of gives the ball to Shabbat Napier and is almost like, you know, get us a basket. I think uh, Scotty Wilbekin can help shut down Napier and cancel him out offensively. And I think that a deeper, uh, I think ultimately a stronger Florida team will get past the, the almost like the cardiac Connecticut team, if you will. Uh, I just I came up with that the other day on the blog. On the old Beeple 360, you can see them all my final four picks. But I got Florida going on. Second game, Wisconsin-Kentucky. You know, we talk about how good Kaminsky has been. But Kentucky is perhaps the, one of the teams best suited to go up against and guard Frank Kaminsky at, uh, when uh, Arizona can do it. The teams that Wisconsin has played have struggled to find an answer for Kaminsky. Kentucky can throw Randall at him, Lee, Perithris, and a couple other guys as well. I think, and I think you see good guard play from the Harrison. I think Kentucky will move on. And how about that in, our, in a championship game? You get a fourth matchup between Florida and Kentucky on Monday night. Florida won all three. Will they win the fourth? That would be determined. But that is my predictions for the Final Four. That, of course, is going down tomorrow evening, 6 o'clock, TBS, TNT, True TV. We know you uh, you guys are excited. I told you to fetch me more wine. And we're going to take a little music break right now. On the other side, we got some more excellent action on the way. So, we know you guys are going to want to stay with us. It's Fnatic Radio. And whoever made the decision to give you this big fancy studio is an idiot. The reason you wake up. 
Wake up on game day and put on your team's colors. Fanatic Radio on Blog Talk Radio. Fanatic Radio is America's premier sports music program. It's an essential part of our society, like hot dogs and Cadillacs. With Mike Gardner and Ben Florence providing unique insight from the wide world of sports. He should just retire so he can dip him in bronze and ship him to the Hall of Fame. Playing only the hottest music. The only thing we ever play on the show is Motown and R&B. And always striving for perfection. We're climbing the ladder to success, escalator style. Yes! See for yourself. Check out Fanatic Radio only on Blog Talk Radio. Join DC United April 5th for the ultimate college experience. Come to College Night. There will be a live DJ, food trucks, and outdoor games for a low price of $20. Hope to see you there as they take on New England Revolution. Join DC United April 5th for the ultimate college experience. Come to College Night. There will be a live DJ, food trucks, and outdoor games for a low price of $20. Hope to see you there as they take on New England Revolution. Fanatic Radio. Even with the way they're playing, we could go undefeated. The reason you wake up on game day and put on your team's colors. Fanatic Radio on Blog Talk Radio. And we welcome you back to 
the one and only Fanatic Radio. If you would like to call into the show, and this is something I don't know why we don't do this more, you know, give out the guest phone number. To call into Fanatic Radio right now, we will take your uh, uh, opinions on anything and everything. Call 646-595-3137. That's 646-595-3137. FR time 430 at the bottom of the hour. And a big, kind of big story in the world of sports here in the district, the signing by Washington of Deshaun Jackson after a bit of an, uh, an unusual, we're not certain entirely what in, what happened and why we got cut by Philadelphia. It was obviously he was cut. Um, it was on last week, Friday afternoon. Was, uh, a lot of people kind of taken by surprise. It, was, it seemed like they there, there were some rumors. Um, there were some reports that maybe they wanted to move on from him back in the month, February. But it was weird to see them come, come out and cut him a week ago. Now, there was a story in the NJ.com about that said that maybe Deshaun Jackson, it came out last Friday as well, that he had possibly had some connections, some gang-related connections. Now, Jackson has come out and said he is not a gangster, He's not in a gang, but this whole thing just seems kind of bizarre. And you have this, uh, I'm trying to figure out the words to say, it, it, it seems like, you know, there, there are these rumors, you don't know if they're true or not, of course, but you have this report from NG.com. And now it seems that, was that why they ultimately decided to cut him? I mean, I don't know. Um, I think uh, it's, it's, it certainly seems like the timing seems suspicious for the two that there is some kind of connection between the two. But it's just the, the, the whole thing is just, it just reeks. It's just bizarre. And so, but now Jackson's off to Washington. Did Philadelphia cut him because of the time? Or do they want to get rid of his contract? which is possible, and because he did have a very big contract. But you would think if they wanted to come, they would have done like a month ago, or right, not at the end of free agency. And But, I mean, it was also interesting. There's a report, a Deadspin flagged a report from uh, CBS Philadelphia, good friends of our KYW, and that the, apparently Jackson was troublemaking in the locker room. People don't like him. He tried to bully uh, Chip Kelly, never respected him. Uh, the players didn't like playing with him, which is um, that, now that's an interesting report. If that proves to be true, maybe that's why they did it. But again, why would they wait so late to cut him? If you wanted to cut a guy, you know, just cut him. You know, why let a saint? You know, why let the whole thing fester and linger? You know what I'm saying? If you wanted to get rid of the guy, just get rid of him. Try and trade him, or just cut him. Don't let the whole thing fester out because now it looks like Philadelphia may have cut him because of potential game guys that may not be true. Who knows? But it's just a very bizarre, uh, sub, uh, very bizarre situation for the Eagles. Now he's going to Washington to play over for uh, the uh, the Redskins. Um, of course, that's a term that I don't like to use, but that is the name of the team. Now, and they gave him a solid amount of change. Uh, they gave him, I think it was three years, $25 million. Let me, uh, let me get here. Now, three years, 24, and a, a high amount, $15 million guaranteed. Now, I think Jackson's a good player. He's a great deep threat, and he will help stretch the uh, Washington offense vertically, get uh, Robert Griffin III another option, pair with a Pierre Garcona wideout. But I've always thought he was kind of overrated. He, there, you know, we knew that he was he had a reputation of being a bit of a selfish player. He's struggled, but he also struggled to be health, stay healthy. And while he is a great deep threat, that really is the only thing he does. And we, we've seen Washington's got this dubious record of Danny Snyder going after big names, giving him a bunch of money. They underperform. What happened here? I don't know. I think Jackson is still a very good player. I don't think he's an elite player by any stretch. I think, he, but I think he is indeed overrated. But 
will he uh, perform that? That remains to be seen. You know, Washington has a lot of work they have to do to get back to the playoff team that they were in 2012 when they had that great run down the stretch as opposed to the fiasco they were last year. But it'll be interesting what new coach Jay Green does. And but if you're the Eagles, do you necessarily miss Deshaun Jackson? I don't think I don't think you will. You got Jeremy Macklin coming back. Riley Cooper was very good last year. He actually had a breakout year after the whole uh, N-word controversy with him at that Kenny Chesney concert. And then you could also draft a guy, possibly Kelvin Benjamin, Odell Beckham Jr., um, maybe a Brandon Cooks out of Oregon State. So Philadelphia will have some options to go for in Chip Kelly's offense. And Chip Kelly's offense is also known for that. They 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 don't always need, like what you saw at Oregon, you plug players in and it would be uh, this, uh, the machine would continue moving forward. So that, that will certainly be something to watch for both uh, these uh, divisional rivals in the NFC. Now another story that's come out the last couple of days very bizarre story just on top of it. There's, a, there's For some reason, there's controversy over Mets second baseman Danny Murphy. His uh, wife, uh, he was uh, he did not play an opening day, and he was uh, off for the first uh, few games for the Metropolitan, for the New York Mets, because his wife was in labor, so he was on paternity leave. The, the players' union said that, said that in the contract state that you're allowed three days for paternity leave, whether that's too little, too much, Whatever, you're allowed to have it. You might as well take it to birth your child, for God's sake. Now, of course, there's controversy. Should uh, he be on, given paternity leave when he's a major baseball player? He gets some morons on Twitter. And, of course, Twitter, the great thing about Twitter is that it gives everyone an opinion, and actually everyone thinks their opinion is better than the other person's opinion. So he gets some moron, moron Mets fans. Now, not all Mets fans are morons. But you do have some of them that are morons. Went on Twitter like, well, I should have paternity leave, major league baseball player, all that jazz. So, not much. But then the controversy seemed to fester when he had our good friend Mike Frances on WFAN in New York, also on Fox Sports 1, some cross-cross country. And he uh, had an extended rant about um, paternity leave, how he, he was okay with, you know, for the one day, but he shouldn't be any more than one day. It's a whole long rant. Go to WFAN Audio, a great YouTube channel. Go to their Twitter feed. they got the whole 22-minute video or of uh, Francis and this whole thing. He got on the producer who was out for 10 days. Um, and But here's a little cut from that. One to three days. All right, one day I understand. In the old days, they didn't do that, but one day, go see the baby be born and come back. You're a major league baseball player. You can hire a nurse to take care of, the, to take care of the baby if you wipe yourself. I mean, I, I, I'm being honest. I don't see why you need... What are you going to do? I mean, are you going to sit there and, and look at your wife in the hospital bed for two days? I mean, what are you going to do? Now, uh, well, I'm a big Francesca fan, but I don't agree with his comments at all. I don't think his comments were necessarily that bad. I think they're mostly just out of touch, being somebody from a different area, not understanding paternity, uh, paternity leave. But, you know, I don't know. For, I mean, obviously, I have no problem. I actually talked to my father who had some experience with having kids. He's got two great kids, well, or great, if uh, using aerial quotation marks. But it's. And he's saying, I'm like, Did you, you took paternity leave. He's like, hell yeah. Of course, there's nothing more important than the birth of your child. And, you know, studies have shown those first few days you help create bonds with the child. And, again, it's only, in this case, three days. I have no problem with paternity leave. I don't know why this is an issue. Now, Francis's comments were one thing. But uh, you have Boomer Sison, who is the co-host of the morning show, Boomer Guy in the Morning, another uh, show you could also catch it on CBS Sports Network if you have it, and you know, Boomer Show. I'm a big fan of, but he had comments that were even more ridiculous than Francesca. Let's take a listen. I said C-section before the season starts. I need to be. I need to be at opening day. I'm sorry. This is what makes our money. This is how we're going to live our life. This is going to give my child every opportunity to be a success in life. I'll be able to afford any college I want to send my kid right. to because I'm a baseball player.
Now, what's interesting about that point is that Esiason, who did, I do, you know, we do have to give him credit. He did go out, had an extended apology, apologized multiple times on the show this morning on his uh, national uh, commentary at the CBS Sports Minute, and he apologized multiple times. I've given him credit for that. But, but I will also get to that apology in a minute. But, I mean, he acts like, you know, you just get a C-section. It's just like, you know, something like, hey, we're going to get a C-section. Now, there are some women, I'm certain, that get C-sections because they don't want to have the normal pregnancy. That's fine. You're a, a, that's the, should be the woman's choice? Absolutely, if you want to do it. Well, most C-sections, and it's not like a C-section is like, you know, it, uh, you know they just do, uh, you know, like that, and you have, have the child. It's a pretty complicated procedure in surgery, essentially. And um, the fact that it just be like, ah, you know, just get a C-section, you know, that's not how it is. Most of the time, not all of it, but most of the time a woman has a C-section, if there would be significant issues with the birth, done the traditional or the, the natural way. But not only that, the theory, now think about this. You're going to have a child, and you're about to have a child. And and for Murphy, who I give him credit, especially shrugged off like, I don't care about this. And Terry Collins is like, if they're questioning the the kind of man uh, um, uh, Daniel Murphy is, they need to look in the mirror. And I give him credit for that. And I like Terry Collins. He'll stand up for his players like that. But this whole thing is just absurd in that, you know, a player should, you know, think about that. Again, you're about to have a child. You need to have a C-section solely because he's a baseball player. And so he won't miss any time. And, again, who cares if he's missing time? It's three games. How many players miss three games anyways? Just, just get rest during the season. The very few, not that many players play the full season. It's absurd. And again, it's in April. The Mets aren't going, I'm sorry, the Mets are not going to be a playoff team. In these three games, who cares if he's out for three games? Who cares if he's out for ten games like that? In April, it's it's completely absurd. And it's, it's completely absurd that, and Daniel Murphy would not have helped the Mets the last few days. Their bullpen has cost them their games. Their bullpen has been a fiasco. So I don't get this whole thing. Who cares? Who cares if he's on paternity leave? I mean, come on. This is 2014. My goodness. And then, you know, I, I do give Boomer credit. And I, I like Boomer. I like him a lot. And, you know, what he, all the work he's done for uh, – uh, what is that? Uh, you know, he's got these some great work, the Boomer Sison Foundation uh, for cystic fibro- fibrosis, pardon me, with his, which his son Gunnar has. God bless him for that. He's done amazing work. He deserves to be praised for that great work. God bless him for that. But then in his apology, it's kind of interesting. Like, you know, I never meant to talk about, you know, invading the women's rights. Well, you did ask for a C-section. I mean, what do you do? You know what a C-section is? That's kind of what's going on there. They just, uh, let me pull up the uh, direct one. You can see fine. You can go to wfn.com, uh, newyork.cbslocal.com. They got the whole. You can listen to the whole audio and all that. But this theory that, um, and I gotta, I gotta find this the full quote again. And again, I do give him, I mean, of course, these comments happen on Wednesday. He apologized this morning. Why did he apologize yesterday? You know, I don't know. We'll, we won't get into that, whether it's corporate or whatever. But it usually, how usually we start out as it's apology. Quote, I want to say again on this radio this show that in no way, shape, or form was I advocating anything for anybody to do. I was not telling women what to do with their bodies. I would never do that. That's their decision. That's their life. And they know their bodies better than I do. End quote. That doesn't jive with what he said. He was advocating. He was said, you know, that was me. Or, uh, you know, quite frankly, what he should have done, get a C-section and spring training. What do you mean you were telling a woman what to do with her body? You said, this is 100% not true. That's 100% not true. I mean, come on, Boomer. You're better than that, Mr. Esiason. 
I mean, to say that, you know, uh, I wasn't advocating for any of these. No, you were advocating that players should not have uh, be out for maternity leave, and that's because you have a C-section before the season starts. If you're going to have a baby naturally before, at the start of the season, because of that. I mean, let's think about that. Of course it's their decision. That's why everyone made their decision. If they had chosen to have a C-section themselves, that would have been their decision. You know, they're from America. But this whole thing, you know, it's just, it's so absurd. Who cares if paternity leave? I mean, this isn't, you know, 1990, which was a great year. But it's 2014. And with that now. I want to give a shout-out to one of our sponsors today. You'll be hearing their uh, promo again. you got College Night tomorrow night. RFK Stadium, D.C. United will be taking on the New England Revolution. You'll have a DJ. You'll have cookout food. Give a shout-out to our good friend Malcolm Barber's good friend of the show. But, uh, yeah, check out College Night tomorrow night at uh, – what time is that? Yeah, it's tomorrow night, RFK. You're definitely going to want to check it out, especially if you're a college student like myself. Who knows? Maybe I'll be there. Who knows? Who knows? You got college night tickets. Will be twenty bucks. Uh, it'll be tomorrow night. You know, there'll be a tailgate. Uh, you'll definitely, you're definitely going to want to take advantage of this. It'll be a great night. And uh, yeah, uh, that is tomorrow night. The game's at seven o'clock. We've kickoffs at six. You'll hear more in the commercial again. But uh, we'll be right back. We're going to do another, take another music break. Come back for our big finish. But thank you guys for uh, checking out Fanatic Radio today. And uh, we will be right back. You are listening to the one and only Fanatic Radio. It's Fanatic Radio. Get ready to break the pain. <laughs> it's the reason you wake up on game day and put on your team's cars. Fanatic Radio on Lock Talk Radio. Fanatic Radio is America's premier sports music program. It's an essential part of our society, like hot dogs and Cadillacs. With Mike Gardner and Ben Florence providing unique insight from the wide world of sports. He should just retire so he can dip him in bronze and ship him to the Hall of Fame. Playing only the hottest music. The only thing we ever play on the show is Motown and R&B. And always striving for perfection. We're climbing the ladder to success, escalator style. Yes! See for yourself. Check out Fanatic Radio only on Blog Talk Radio. Join DC United April 5th for the ultimate college experience. Come to College Night. There will be a live DJ, food trucks, and outdoor games for a low price of $20. Hope to see you there as they take on New England Revolution.
Join DC United April 5th for the ultimate college experience. Come to College Night. There will be a live DJ, food trucks, and outdoor games for a low price of $20. Hope to see you there as they take on New England Revolution. Radio. And we are back. 4.52. We got a little less than eight minutes remaining in the program. And yesterday, we saw the announcement of a retirement of one of the all-time greats in the history of television. Uh, earlier today, the man who owns this network, Leslie Moonves, he and I have had a relationship for years and years and years. And we've had this conversation in the past, and we agreed that we would work together uh, on this circumstance and the timing of this circumstance. And I phoned him just before the program, and I said, Leslie, it's been great. You've been great. The network has been great, but I'm retiring. This is really? Yep. This is true. This is you actually did this? Yes, I did. Well, do I have a, do I have a minute to call my cop? <laughs> I, uh... So, so it, uh, I just want to uh, reiterate my thanks and for the support from the network, all of the people who have worked here, all of the people uh, in the theater, all the people on the staff, everybody at home, uh, thank you very much. And, uh... What this means now is that Paul and I can be married. This precisely down, it will be, I'm, I think, at least a year or so, but sometime in the not too, too distant future, 2015, for the love of God, in fact, uh, Paul and I will be wrapping things up and uh, taking a hike. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. Now, here's the thing about David Letterman. He's one of my favorite people on television. He has been hosting a late-night show on network television since 1982. Think about that. 1982, he's been on OB for 33 years when he retires uh, next year. At some point, he says he doesn't know when. 66 years old right now, the uh, Indiana legend. And it will be very hard to think of uh, late-night television without Carson, or without Letterman, just as it was without Carson. Letterman has been on late-night TV longer than Carson was. Carson was on The Tonight Show for 30 years. Uh, Letterman uh, had late-night with David Letterman on NBC from the 82 into um, to 1992. For over 10, 11 years. And he was, uh, you know, it was a huge hit there. It was a groundbreaking show. It was kind of more quirky and off the wall than what Carson had done at 11.35 this time and now at 12.35. Then he, you have the, the 
infamous or famous battle with Jay Leno to get the Tonight Show, went to Leno, and then David Letterman built this great franchise over at CBS where he's been since 1993. I mean, I wasn't even one when he started in 1993. That's how long ago he is. And I've got gray hair now. Watch, I got my hair cut last week. But so fortunately, my gray, gray hairs are gone. I know how I felt when I first thought about that. And with that, that also means it's time for one of our favorite segments on the program. Here we go. And we got the funk. Oh, well, uh, glory be, the funk's on me, Bobby. Keep that funk alive. Keep that funk alive. Well, it's 1975, and I'll just be keeping the ball alive. And with the Bootsy Collins, who you can hear in Grand Theft Auto 5 on the Space 103.2, I don't want to give Grand Theft Auto for GTA 5, but hey, Rockstar, if you're listening, I just gave you a little promo. But we're going to do a little tweet from Flo. Of course, you can always follow me at bflow360 on the uh, on the old Twitter sphere. And I want to tell a story now. Uh, yesterday, Thursday afternoon, I was in Dupont Circle. I did an interview for an internship for someone. I want to tell you where, because I'm a fan of surprises. But I decided, oh well, you know, I haven't had lunch yet. It was about maybe like one one fifteen when I got out. So I saw there was a Five Guys. I looked at my little Google Map before my interview, and I was looking for a place to eat. I had someone that I had before, so I'm like, well, I haven't had five grand in a long time. But then I realized, you know what's also in DuPont Circle, a place I've never been. And people were, people were like, what? You've never been there? I'm like, nope, I have never been there. There's a Krispy Kreme. And I have never been, never in my life, that I had a Krispy Kreme donut. And you know what? It was fantastic. I got classic glazed also got a chocolate glazed cake, whatever the hell it was. It was amazing. I had that later as well. And, of course, now my, if my mother's listening, she'd be like, oh, no, Ben, you're going to get a heart attack. But, yeah, I did have five guys that I had. Krispy uh, Kreme. Krispy Kreme for the first time. It was awesome. And, uh, yeah, by the way, you know, I want to do another sweet shout-out. You know, I am trying to lose a little weight. A little more weight, actually. I've lost weight before. But... One thing that I've realized, and I had a few years ago when I actually bought a thing, I went to the old uh, Safeway just up the road. Mint Oreos are fantastic. Whoever came up with the mint Oreo is a legend. The only qualm I have with my mint Oreos is that they fall apart relatively easily. But, you know. Ain't nobody got time for that. But even then, the mint cream is fantastic. Well, the Oreo cream, whatever the hell it is, has always been fantastic. And, and you know, or mint Oreos, I don't know what how they came up with it, whoever came up with it, God bless his soul because, quite frankly, mint Oreos are fantastic. Now, you can't eat too much of them because they're probably not good for you. But you know how we're feeling. Oh, you are living la vida loca. And when you get confirmation from the one and only Cleveland Brown, I think that, you know, you're you're in pretty good shape. And that is going to just about do it for Fanatic Radio on April 4th, 2014. Thanks to all of you for listening. Hear the uh, outgoing rhythms of a live performance of Booker T and the MG. Last time we're gonna, you know, turn up a little bit. One of the great songs of all time, really. And, but, uh, thanks again for sticking along here on me, Ben Florence, Notorious. uh, Next week, Mike will be back. Ram will be back. Trying to naturally fill for an hour. Now we only have to film for 10 seconds. That would be great. But thanks, everybody, for listening in. Enjoy the rest of your Friday. Have a great weekend.